With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for the Evo. Welcome to Bluffy Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you guys. In segment number two, we are going to be going out to the Boston area. That's where we find Adam Rosenberg. He does tremendous work over at the FTN Network, FTN Bets, taking a look at player props. And we're going to be diving a little bit more into that. I know he's done a great job taking a look at home run props, taking a look at total bases. So we're going to be diving in on just a little bit of his methodology because typically these are numbers that are usually not available overnight because there's a little bit of murkiness when it comes to lineups. I know that Adam does a lot of his work overnight though as well. So he's going to be diving in a little bit there. Some of the process that goes into his player props. We're also going to be taking a look at some of these teams that have been able to upgrade themselves via the trade deadline. What we're expecting in these next few hours as the trade deadline approaches here on this Tuesday as well. And then in the final segment, I do give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Didn't really get in any Twitter questions other than, why are the New York Yankees such big morons? So, let's dive into what we all saw Monday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Well, the DK Network right up pick hit. If you saw on social media at GNNR Squirty1 on Twitter, which they're now calling X, which I don't necessarily think is the world's greatest thing. That's a discussion for another show on another day. But I we were thinking we were going to get Domingo Ramon as a starter. They changed uh, Johnny Burrito. I was willing to stick with my pick. As a matter of fact, I was advocating for the run line at that spot. Race, they win by four runs. So they certainly cover that. Five to one, the final. Mind numbing what happened. Johnny Burrito gets a start, gives up four home runs, five runs in total over the course of four innings. Says he was taken deep by Isak Paredes, 21st home run season. Josh Lowe and Brandon Lau both get their 14th home run season, and Wander Franco gets his 13th home run season. And then Domingo Romano, who apparently was too injured to start, came out of the bullpen and threw five scoreless innings. 
Good grief. I just don't know what to make out of this. And Tyler Glasnow, he, as expected, was terrific for the Tampa Bay race. Gives up a home run to Jake Bowers. Ninth home run season, but that's all that he give up over the course of his seven innings. Robert Stevenson, Pete Fairbanks from there. They will give you a scoreless setting. They get that one done very easily. Being able to get the job done as well was the Philadelphia Phillies. 4-2, to two, they take down the Miami Marlins. Marlins, by the way, fewest home runs in the big league since the All-Star break. And... Been a little bit of a power outage for them. Maurice Solaire was finally able to go deep 25th home run season. That comes off of Tywin Walker. That is all that Tywin Walker would give up over the course of six and two-thirds innings. And for Tywin Walker, my goodness, he has been looking very good recently as he has now allowed two runs or fewer in, I believe, seven out of his last nine starts. Matt Strom, Jeff Hoffman from there. Bear out of the bullpen. Greg Gimbrel, squirrel setting in. For the Phillies, they go just two of 12 with men in scoring position. They were the beneficiaries of an error out there in the field by Uskar Brazobin, who he allowed a run in his two innings of work. Yeah, Tanner Scott gave up a run in that inning, and Edward Cabrera just knocked himself out of this game really early. He gave up two runs as a starter, which typically that's not bad, but he only goes three innings because he walks six. Steve Nokert, two squirrel settings. A.J. Puck, a scoreless inning. Even with the Miami Marlins being able to pick up some pieces at the deadline to bolster that bullpen. Just too much bullpen usage as Edward Cabrera. That was not great to say the least. This was not great from the Milwaukee Brewers as well. They lose to the Washington Nationals by a count of 5-3. to three. For those are Wisconsin sports fans, you know that we can't have nice things. As for the Milwaukee Brewers, it was one Mr. Elvis Piguero he allowed the Washington Nationals to leave the building with a win. Three runs surrendered over the course of two-thirds of an inning. Corbin Burns, relatively solid start. Two runs surrendered over the course of six innings. He did give up home run to Joey Manessis, eighth home run season. But Piguero really doomed the uh, Brewers. Bryce Wilson, squirrel setting, Holman Milner gets it out of the bullpen. And Joey Weimer does go deep off of Jose Farrar. His 13th home run campaign for Farrar gives up that solo run over the course of one and the third innings. Jake Irvin gives up two runs in five and a third of his own. Jordan Weems gets it out of the bullpen before Mason Thompson, Kyle Finnegan. They're both able to give you a scoreless setting as well. You did see the Baltimore Orioles be able to overcome the curse of Sunday Night Baseball and the LA Angels. They were able to shake off some rust from Peacock as well. For the Angels, they are able to take down the Atlanta Braves by a count of 4-1 to one as for the Angels, they were able to get a grand total of 10 hits in this one, and three of them flew over the fence. Randall Gritchick, new acquisition, ninth home run season. Chad Wallach, he gets his seventh, and Luis Renifo is able to get home run number 10 for Chase Silseth. Very good start, unexpected starter in for Griffin Canning. Gives up a home run over the course of his five innings. Matt Olson, he gets home run number 36 of the campaign. Meanwhile, Charlie Morton gave up all three home runs, three solo shots over the course of six innings. A.J. Minter, Pierce Johnson, both line a scoreless setting in the you did have Dasbel Hernandez give up in a run in his ending of work. Meanwhile, for the LA Angels, Jose Soriano, along with Rinaldo Lopez, piecemeal together, three squirrels between the two of them, and Aaron Loop is able to give you a squirrelless setting out of the bullpen as well for the Baltimore Orioles. They're right now working to polish up this 4-2 win over the Toronto Blue Jays. It'll look like a moron if the Blue Jays have a ninth inning surge as for Chris Bassett. He lent a start that lended length, but he was taking a decline and sinker in this one, giving up four runs over the course of his six innings as Gunnar Henderson was able to get his 17th home run of the campaign. From there, Nate Pearson, a squirrel setting, and Bowden Francis, two squirrel settings. As of right now, you've got Whit Merrifield with his ninth home run season. That does come off of Yanir Cano, who's been a little bit more shaky recently. Gives up that home run in a third of an inning of work. Kyle Gibson gives up one run in six innings. 
Danny Colomb was able to come in for a squirrel setting and now Felix Batista looking to polish off a five-out save. Knowing Felix Batista should be able to get there, but you never know in this great game of baseball. As I am doing this because the Greg Peterson experience, that is from midnight to 3 Eastern time, Pacific time, that is 9 to midnight. So I do have to do this a little bit in advance. We've got the Reds up on the Cubs by kind of 6 of 4s. Marcus Stroman, another deplorable start. This man has went straight down the toilet bowl. He gives up six runs over the course of three innings. Doesn't give up any home runs. Just death by a million cuts. Javier Assad has come in from there. He has lent three scoreless innings. Could see perhaps an injured list trip for Marcus Stroman as Dansby Swanson is trying to bail out the team. He gets his 13th home run season as Andrew Abbott. Expected regression did end up happening in this game. Gives up four runs in three and a third innings, including that home run. Buck Farmer won a two-thirds inning scoreless, and now you've got Fernando Cruz into the game, so that'll make things very fascinating. As of right now, Padres and Rockies are in a little bit of a rain delay. You've got a 1-0 to count right now with the Red Sox and the Seattle Mariners game. As for the Boston Red Sox, they had errors to be able to get that first run. Diamondbacks and Giants just getting started as well, so those are games I'm going to need to clean up on the podcast tomorrow. And right now, the Houston Astros up by kind of 4-2 as Noah Thor Syndergaard actually did not look bad in his first start back after he spent quite a while on the injured list trying to rehab. Gives up one run over the course of five and a third innings, giving up two hits. Was pulled after 63 pitches, and the Guardians' bullpen is right now making a mess out of the game. Eli Morgan, he gives up three runs in a third of an inning, including a home run going deep for Houston. Air Jordan, Jordan Alvarez, his 19th home run of the season. Now they've got Michael Kelly in the game trying to hold down the fort. Meanwhile for Houston, J.P. France gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. So we shall see how that turns out, but right now looking like a good return for Mr. Thor. And if you're looking at the game of baseball right now, we have seen quite a few unders recently. Overall for the season, the under rate is at 50.6%. 767 unders do 749 overs, while favorites overall for the season, they're at 58.1%. 912 and 659 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, though, 229 separate favorites have been unable to cover that minus one and a half run line. If you're looking over the last 30 days, the under is hitting at a rate of 51%, 173 unders to 166 overs with favorites in this time span. Going 204, 148, that's a 58% rate, but we have seen a grand total of 58 of those favorites be unable to cover the run line. And if you're looking at the past seven days, the under is hitting at a rate of nearly 56%. 48 unders, 38 overs with a few games pending from Monday. Favorites in the science span, 46 of 42 with a whopping 15 of those favorites being unable to cover the run line. So that's what we're seeing in baseball trend-wise, and that's what we all got on the Monday card coming up next. Let's dive into some player props, and let's take a look at teams that have been very active here at the trade deadline. We do that with Adam Rosenberg. I always like these sorts of segments, getting to teach you guys something a little bit different, not necessarily about the picks, but it's about gathering the information and being able to dive into something that maybe you don't get as much exposure to day to day. So we've got Adam Rosenberg of FTM Bets joining me on the flip side here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. 
It is great to be joined by this man as Adam Rosenberg. He does an absolutely tremendous job on so many fronts, taking a look at the great game of baseball. I know he is over there with so many different entities. He's an analyst over at the Fade the Noise Network, FDN. He also contributes to good old Baby Zubet. He is the founder of that, where you're able to find so many player props when it comes to the great game of baseball, total bases, home run props, you name it. He does it as to be able to follow Adam Rosenberg on Twitter. It's at Hey Rosenberg, and that is a very good Twitter handle, by the way. Or are they calling it an X handle right now? I don't know which one it is, but whichever Ooh. one it is, Adam Rosenberg is doing a great job on that front. And Adam, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Dude, thank you so much for having me. I've been on your show before. This is the first time I've been on the pod, so I'm pretty excited. I am very excited as well. And Adam, as we're doing this, it is getting close to that trade deadline period. As we know, that is going to be coming up Tuesday afternoon. And we've seen quite a few moves already made. As we know, the Texas Rangers, they have been big-time buyers, getting Max Scherzer, getting Jordan Montgomery. I'm sure by the time this podcast is uploaded, they probably have added someone else as well. But are there a few teams that you take a look at and either you're underwhelmed with what they've done at the trade deadline, or maybe you're a little bit more bullish and you're stock up as to what they've done here at the deadline? I'm a little underwhelmed with what the Twins are doing for sure, but the Twins don't usually make big splash types of things. They need to make some moves if they kind of want to continue to distance themselves and just win their own division. But obviously I'm very biased. I'm very underwhelmed with what the Phillies have done so far, which for your listeners, that's my team. I think it's kind of the quiet before the storm for the Dodgers. Like, the yeah, I mean, like Lance Lynn is a guy, you know, I think if the Cardinals blink and find a deal that they like with the Dodgers for Nolan Arenado, which is obviously like a big, big rumor that's kind of going around, the Dodgers are going to jump and do it. I've been fading this team, but, you know, I'm really curious on what the Marlins are going to do. I mean, the Marlins haven't been in this situation. You know, it's been either 97 or 2003 where they've been way ahead because they bought their championship or they are completely out of it. So it's a little different for where they are right now of trying to be buyers. Oh, there are so many teams that are in such an interesting circumstance because we were hearing like 10 days ago that the Chicago Cubs were going to be sellers and then they run off an eight-game win streak that comes to an end on Sunday and they have to pull Cody Bellinger off the trading block. So now it becomes, are they going to be Sandy Pat? Are they going to be buyers a little bit more? The New York Yankees, they get back Aaron Judge for a few games before he sits out Sunday night. We are unsure of his status of Monday as we are recording this podcast, but I do think that there is a lot of teams, unlike in past years, that they could go one of two ways because I know that you were talking about the Minnesota Twins and how they're right now just sort of standing pat. They really haven't been buyers. They haven't really been sellers. Main thing that they've done is swap Dylan Floral for Ori Lopez, which I think that that was just two teams saying, all right, we've got struggling relievers. We're (laughs) going to give them a change of scenery. We'll see if this just works out for both sides. But I do think that there's a lot of teams that, unlike a past year, they're just sort of in the middle. And it feels like we might have a lot of teams at the sideline that they just sort of stand pat because there aren't a lot of sellers because things are very equal with regards to a lot of these races. Yeah, I mean, look at the Padres. The Padres are kind of the wild card here, right? You know, the Padres, for all intents and purposes, should be buyers, right? Right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, they should be buyers. But they're just far enough out of it that they can make that decision. They obviously have two big chips that people would love, Hater and Snell, both of whom are going to be free agents. And I don't think they're selling. We definitely haven't seen them buying. So I don't know. There's a mish of, of, of folks and a lot of teams that, you know, Maybe didn't expect to be here, but they're trying to make some moves. It's been quiet from the Reds. It's been quiet from Arizona. And those are two teams that have been either leading their division for a lot of the season or right in the thick of it for the wild card. So it's going to be pretty interesting. I do know for sure is we do know a couple teams that are 
selling and shopping and have some pretty good chips. I mean, the Nationals are definitely selling and Heimer Candelaria is going to be a really good pickup for a team. I mean, that dude is like the perfect bench guy because he doesn't have to play every day and he's a switch hitter. And Eduardo Rodriguez, who at one point this season, I definitely made a small wager on Cy Young. The Tigers are dying to get rid of that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, the haul that they can get for him. Like they're also looking at getting rid of Lorenzen, who's having a big year. So it's going to be an interesting next couple of days. I was you know, surprised that Verlander made it through even a couple innings in the game. I thought it was going to get traded by the Mets mid-game. There's a lot of stuff there. The Royals, like, if you think about it, like, why is Sal Perez not being traded by them? I mean, MJ Melendez is a catcher, and that team's clearly obviously going in youth, and Sal is Sal's a veteran. I mean, the Yankees would love to have Sal Perez. That guy looks like he should have been on the Yankees years ago, you know? Oh, absolutely. As joining me on the show, we've got Adam Rosenberg. He does a tremendous job over at FTM Bets and so many other platforms, including Babies Who Bet, taking a look at the great game of baseball. And let's touch upon those New York Yankees because they've been such an intriguing team, and I know that you've been taking a look at a lot of player props this season. How much differently do you have to take a look at some of those player props when Aaron Judge is in versus out of the full? Because they're that one team that I think with regards to a totals perspective, and I'm sure that this trickles out a little bit more to a player prop perspective as well, that they are impacted so much by one guy. Certainly if we saw like Shoy Otani being out of the fold for the Angels, he would have the sort of impact that Aaron Judge has had as well. But I can never remember one singular player being in slash out of a lineup having the impact that Judge has because typically when you do have a star player out like Corey Seager, for example, with the Rangers. Does that hurt the Rangers a little bit? Does that provide a little bit less protection? Yes, but I can never remember a team going just completely down the toilet bowl with an offense and then having such a surge with just one singular player like I've seen with Aaron Judge this year with the Yankees. You know, last year when he got MVP, I, you know, was the hater. You know, I was an Otani guy or I was a Jordan guy and I just, I didn't understand why. And then this year when he got hurt, and I watched how that lineup fell apart because they didn't have any pitch protection at all. I kind of realized what he brings to the lineup in addition to just being Aaron Judge and hitting bombs and being such a good hitter. I mean, we wouldn't know who half of these guys are. Like uh, Brian McKinney, I thought he was a rookie. He isn't. He's like a 12-year journeyman. Like a lot of these guys on this team, and I, you've had my you know no-name baseball podcast co-host Rob Donaldson has been on a lot, and he has been very vocal about this too. The Yankees probably have the worst lineup in baseball without Aaron Judge. It's just been interesting. Like for the Rangers, it's a little different because when Seager's not there, they move things around. Nate Lowe gets a lot more. Nathan Lowe gets a little bit more time, who, who, by the way, his props are a wagon. But for the Yankees, the only things I ever really touch on them, because I just can't bet on these guys, is whoever is going against them strikeouts when Aaron Judge was not there. Because just the way that that team whether it's players bailing out of at-bats or just not knowing what to do. People just mow through them. Guys like Tyler Anderson look like Cy Young candidates. That's pretty much what I've done before Judge came back. Yeah, it's been so interesting to look at that New York Yankees team. Now they get a series with a Rays team that up until Sunday, they were struggling as well. So we shall see which of those teams is able to get back online in the American League East race. And you were alluding to it, how you do take a look at some of these props, certainly taking a look at some of those Yankees props has been very interesting. But what is sort of the process for it? Because it's a little bit harder for someone like myself that does this podcast that comes out at midnight Pacific, 3 o'clock a.m. Eastern to do so. Because, well, a lot of these props, as you know, they come out in the a.m. with a lot of these sports books. It's very lineup dependent. And you sort of have a feel as to who's going to be in the lineup. But sometimes you do get some unexpected off days, especially when it comes to Sundays slash travel days in general. But what is a little bit of your process for taking a look at these player props? And what are you looking for when it comes to things like 
total bases that puts you on a player or maybe as you laying off of a guy that you might be backing on a normal basis? The thing I do the night before is I'll use fan graphs and I'll build a list of the starting pitchers for the next day. And what I do is I sort that list. Fan graphs makes it really, really easy. And it's a free site. They love donations though, because they work very hard. The most important stat to me is hard hit rate. And I create a list of pitchers. I look at the last three weeks because that gives you at least three starts. It's a weird situation. It might be four starts, but it's three starts, which is usually at least two road and one home or two home and road, something like that. Look at the hard hit rate. And I immediately eliminate guys at the bottom who have had very, very good hard hit rates, which I'll you know classify as it's like under 15%. These guys are elite and they're just doing what they do. But the hard hit rate is telling you what's happening under the hood. Great example of this is Bryce Elder, Spencer Strider. Those are two guys. Kevin Gossman, another example. These are guys that are constantly at the top of the list. They are constantly able to strike some guys out. They are power pitchers. They also give up lots of hard contact. A Kevin Gossman overhits prop is sort of an auto bet generally because the guy, that's what he'll do while he goes on route to 10 strikeouts. I'll look at that. And then for the batters, and then I'll then eliminate teams that don't have really good bullpens. I look at bullpen split from the last two weeks. Specifically, I'm looking both at hard hit rate. I'm looking at slugging percentage because I want to know that am I capping this for two at-bats against a bad pitcher or am I capping it for four at-bats for the entire game? Then I go and I look at the batters and the thing that stands out for me on batters, I look at every team and I look at their hard hit rates and I do this the day of and I see who is shifting from either soft and medium contact to suddenly they have a day where it's medium hard or it might be just medium and it switches to hard. I'm basically looking for people that are improving their swing stroke or making contact with the ball. To me, I kind of circle them and they become guys that I think are candidates that I'd look at for bases or look at for frequently hits, runs, RBIs, the HRR prop. They pretty much do bases if the guy is someone who I'm excited about versus the whole lineup is hitting. And in HRR, I do if the whole lineup is hitting. It kind of depends on where they are in the batting order. I try to stay away from dudes who are seventh or lower just because you're not going to get as many at bats that's a top level view of how i look at this stuff but the night before is really like me doing the prep of like who are the pitchers because if i can identify who the pitchers are that i know i want to fade the next day it makes looking for the props a lot easier and i think that you bring up something so interesting as well as adam rosenberg who does great work over at ftm bets is joining me on the baseball betting show how much of these total base props how much of these stolen base props especially? Because we got a good example on Monday, and I'm sure that you took quite a few of those Noah Thor Syndergaard stolen base props, which, good grief, that's the gift that it's been giving for many, many years. But how much of some of the prop bets that you do make are not necessarily backing the player itself, but just fading a really bad pitcher? Because we have had so many guys, like, I know that both of us had a nice fate of Luis Severino on Sunday Night Baseball. That's something where the Orioles put up a nice hearty seven runs in the first inning. That was tremendous for all involved there. But how much are actual just fades of pitchers rather than maybe just backing a guy that might be an okay hitter, but you just get that one pitcher out there like Luis Severino, like Dothor Syndergaard. You go down the list of insert your poopy pitcher here, and you just want to fade the heck out of those guys. Yeah, I mean, it happens. I try to look at them, though, when it's someone who's just an overwhelmingly awful pitcher case. Severino is a great example. I had action on Gunner, on Adley, on Santander, <laughs> and, and O'Hearn, because those are the first four guys coming up. You know, I'm like, look, even if these split, it's going to be fine. What ended up happening was every single one of them hit in that first inning. Those are situations where I'll do that. It, it, I think a lot of the times what I'm doing, I try to really focus it down from stuff that I like to stuff that I love, because part of the thing is that I also, like, you see it, like I give out plays a lot of the times on Twitter, and I don't want to give out plays for somebody and things like that. So I try to whittle it down to like, 
you know, four or five that I really do like. And it'll also be, you mentioned the stolen base props. That's something that I look at a lot besides just Syndergaard. There's a couple veteran pitchers when they're up. I always look at stolen bases on the other side. There's certain tools and things that I'll use that I just like to research, like who was kind of stealing bases and doing things like that. But every cap that I have for a player comes from the angle of, what does this guy got to do to hit a home run? And if he just comes just close enough to hit a home run, well, what's his double going to look like? It's always assumed everything happens in the right way for this guy to hit it out of the park. That's why I'll bet the home run. And then I'll also bet his total bases or I'll sprinkle a little bit on the double. It's sort of like creating a player portfolio. I think that that's such a good way of being able to take a look at it as well. And just recently as well, how much do you take a look at what a guy has done in the last 30 days, 45 days, insert your split here versus the entirety of the season as well? Because I think that a lot of betters, they always have a little bit of a tough time dealing with this. And truthfully for myself, being able to find that good balance of not getting too involved with a guy that has just gotten hot recently versus taking a look at the full season numbers or vice versa, maybe putting a little bit too much weight on the full season and not recognizing that a guy is white hot is always something that I think is very difficult, not just in baseball, but really in all sports. How much do you have to sort of try to make sure that there's a balance between the recency and the full season numbers? Because I think that that's probably one of the most difficult things that you deal with as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's my batter splits are always about five days because that gives me about a series and a half to see what this guy's been doing. You get certain guys who are just horrific streaks. I think Anthony Rizzo has been on a horrific streak for about two One home run since May Uh, 20th. Good grief. Yeah, it's just, oh my goodness. What I'll do is I'll look at guys on that in the recency, but if there is someone who has a long extended history with a pitcher, this player was Ian Happ and Adam Wainwright. Ian Happ lives in Adam Wainwright's head. It's very clear. He has, I believe, seven home runs against him now a lifetime, which is the most anybody has against Adam Wainwright. He took him deep in London and he took him deep again. Ian Happ also had hit a double and done well earlier this week. But I was a little bit more excited about that play based on that history that there was there. And part of it is that I know that you make the line for every single game. And I try to do that for some. And I think that just the work that you do is fantastic that you're able to do that. The only way that I'm able to kind of merge all the worlds from the prop world to the side world is that if I see two pitchers, as I saw for Tampa Bay, there's Belak and I know that they used Little as an opener. Both of them had really high hard contact rates. So for me, the over was going to definitely be in play. And these are some of the ways that I'm kind of always looking at what do I like on a side. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm setting the line for each and every one of them, but it's all the same kind of metrics that I like to use to figure out where something is going to go. And when it comes to the player props, I just kind of try to picture of what I think is probably going to happen based on, you know, who has been pretty good lately and who has been pretty awful. Oh, I'm right there with you. And that's the way that I do take a look at some of those totals as well, because you mentioned that Rays versus Astros game for Sunday. That was the spot where I was on the over because Littell, I thought, was going to be a little bit of an opener. Actually, threw five innings in the game, but Brady Belock was someone that I thought was doing for massive regression. He got hit very hard, over was able to come through very easily. So I'm right there with you in terms of taking a look at things on that front. And Adam, I know you're doing an incredible job taking a look at the great game of baseball. And I still remember from last football season, you did a great job with a lot of your interception props as well. I know you're getting set for the upcoming football season. So let the good people at home know what's on tap, know what's on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. I appreciate that. Obviously, I'm at Hey Rosenberg and at Babies Who Bet. These are my children, but they are not really betting. They're not real babies that are betting. I'm actually starting to wind down a lot of my baseball stuff and move into the football and catch me on 
a lot of FTN's platforms, a guest on SGPN sometimes, and I guess over on Houston sometimes as well. It's great. I'll be dropping a lot of my football futures over the next few weeks. Absolutely. You're able to catch them. I know quite a few Fridays. I'm not going to say every Friday, but quite a few Fridays <laughs> with our good friend Jeff Parles over there on the Saturday Bet Prep Show. Adam does a tremendous job taking a look at the game of baseball. He does a nice job on the prop front in so many sports, as he alluded to, the football season. That is coming up sooner rather than later, and Adam does a great job there. So big thanks to Adam Rosenberg for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It was great to be joined by Adam Rosenberg, does great work over at FTM Bets, taking a look at so many different things. I know that he's getting set for what is going to be an incredible football season. It was great to be able to get his insights, how he takes a look at so many of these player props, how he's able to make some money that way, and it is always a pleasure to have him aboard. Big thanks to Adam for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 9:51, 9:52 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Miami Marlins. We do know that it is going to be Ranger Suarez who is going to be on the bump for the Phillies. Right now, the betting board reads to be determined. We've seen a few places pop up with Sandy Alcantara. And if Sandy does go for Miami, the Early books had this as between minus 118 to minus 122 on Miami, between plus 102 to plus 108 on Philadelphia with a total in between 7.5 and 8. On the 7.5, over is minus 120 and the under is even. On the 8, the under is minus 120 and the over is even. If we do indeed get Alcantara versus Ranger Suarez, I did set the Phillies as a minus 124 favorite, so I'm going to be looking at them on the money line and made that total at 80.3, so 7.5 or an 8 would be looking at the over. For Sandy Alcantara, he just has not had a good year. He's coming off of a nice start against the Tampa Bay Rays, but 446 ERA. The uh, fortune that he had on balls in play last year has really gone downhill. It's not like he's giving up a bunch of bombs or anything like that. He's actually giving up 
less than a home run per nine innings, but he's never really been too much of a swing and miss guy. He gets a little bit over seven strikeouts per nine innings. Now, if you look at the fielding independent, it's about a half a point lower than his 446 ERA. This year, he's been the opposite of last year. He's been unlucky. There's no fans or buts about it. He's pitched a little bit better than what the numbers would indicate as he does his solid job keeping the walks down. He gives out about two and a half walks per nine innings, but he just is a guy that really does a good job of being able to fill innings, but he's not someone that I really look at as being super dominant or blow away or anything like that. And I view Ranger Suarez in the same way. Ranger Suarez has up to swing and miss stuff a little bit this year to more around eight strikeouts per nine innings. Gives up about one home run per nine innings. He comes in in rough shape. He has given up at least three runs in each out of his last five starts. Prior to that, he had given up zero or one runs in five straight starts and two runs or fewer in six straight starts. So it has been all over the place for Rangers Suarez. Once again, he was someone that probably got extremely fortunate on that nice six-game stretch. This most recent five-game stretch has gotten a little bit unfortunate for Suarez. 385 fielding independent, 422 here, I think positivity is going to be coming through for both of these guys. And with the Miami Marlins, they have been able to fortify that bullpen a little bit. They bring in David Robertson to be able to close out games. They've got on the way as well, or a Lopez to be able to give you a few innings. They've had good production out of Stephen O'Kurt, who's been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. So missing Andrew Nardi, but being able to move A.J. Puck out of the closer spot for Robertson, I think is rock solid in. For the Philadelphia Phillies, over the last three days, this has been the number one team in terms of bullpen anyway. Sir Anthony Dominguez has not been himself all season long, but I mean, he's had a few hiccups recently, but Andrew Vasquez has been rock solid. He, along with Craig Kimbrell, Jeff Hoffman, they're all providing a 320 ERA or better. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, they're just a little bit more of a consistent offense. For the Miami Marlins, they actually rank in the top five in terms of batting average, but you got one guy in Ori Solaire who's been able to give you 24 home runs pass that. Brian De La Cruz has been able to give you 14 home runs, and that's really been about it. The Miami Marlins dead last in the National League in terms of home runs since the All-Star break. That has been a bit of an issue. They do a good job of being able to get on base. Luis Rise is able to hit a 375, and then got De La Cruz, who I mentioned before, Garrett Hampson, Yoli Gurriel, in between about a 265 to 275, John Birdie hitting darn near a 300. Flip side for the Philadelphia Phillies. They do have some similar issues in that they could use a little bit more balance power. Kyle Schwarber, 27 home runs entering into the series. Hitting a buck 83, that does need to go northward a little bit as well, but got plenty of guys that will be able to land on base. Nick Cassianos was also breaking his up and great, but still, overall for the season, giving you 14 home runs, being able to supply about a 275 average, and then Bryce Harper, Brandon March, Alec Baum, all hitting at least a 280. Harper way down with regards to his power numbers, but providing about a 385 on base. Bryson Sott hitting a 300. That's pretty rock solid as well. And I just have a little bit more faith in that Phillies bullpen along the lineup. So in a case where I think that both of these pitchers are relatively equal, I did set the Phillies as the favorite on the money line. So would be looking at the Phillies being able to get plus money there. I set them at a minus 124 and then made my total at 8.3. So and eight or less will be taking a look at the over as well. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers hit the road. They're facing off against the Washington Nationals. This will be the DK Network write-up pick, by the way, as Josiah Gray is on the bump for the Nats. Freddie Peralta is on the bump for the Brewers. And the Brewers, they're between minus 145 to minus 150 favorites. They're between plus 124 and plus 135. Your number on Washington in F is the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. 
Right-up pick is going to be on the total. I did set the Brewers at a minus 142 on the money line. If you are taking a look at that run line, you're going to be getting that in the neighborhood about a plus 110. This is going to be a little bit of a wait-and-see mode if I'm able to get this down, I would say about three to four more cents. I'll be willing to dive in on that Brewers money line. Or if we can get more like a minus 122, getting a run and half with Washington Nationals would be looking there as well. I'm doing this as most of the 20 cent straddles are out there. We're looking for more of the timelines to come out. That should probably be able to give me a read one way or another on the Milwaukee Brewers or the Washington Nationals. But my network write-up pick is going to be on this total over. Freddy Peralta just has not been good this year. His ERA is a full point higher when he is on the road rather than when he is at home. 504 road ERA, 406 home ERA. He has allowed three plus runs in 10 out of his last 14 starts. He's giving up 1.5 home runs, 3.7 walks per nine innings. Fielding independent right on par with that 466 ERA. He's been able to get 10 and a half straight cuts per nine innings, but the Washington Nationals lineup that they don't do a lot great. Guess what they do very well? They don't strike out. Number one in the National League in terms of fewest strikeouts on a per at-bat and a per-game basis. They could use a little bit more thumping power. Lane Thomas, Jameer Candelario, they are right now leading the way. 16 home runs apiece. Would not be surprised if by the time you get first pitch, one of those guys gets traded away. I'm just going to call it what it is. But I mean, with Washington Nationals, they rank in the top 10 of the big leagues in terms of batting average. They rank right around 6th to 8th with regards to home batting average. Joey Manassas will hit like a 275. Got the likes of Villiermo Vargas, Dom Smith, Luis Garcia, Stone Garrett, Jameer Candelario, CJ Abrams. Only between about a 255 to a 265. These guys have done a good job of being able to move the line in. For the Brewers, they have fortified their lineup with bringing in Carlos Santana, and that's much needed because you had, without Carlos Santana in the full four separate guys with at least 12 home runs, Rowdy Dulles is currently injured, William Adamas, Christian Yelich, Joey Weimer. Only one of those guys hitting above a 290 with regards to their on base. That would be Christian Yelich. You've had William Contreras be able to step up, but man, they need an extra back. Carlos Santana should be able to provide that in. Match it up with Josiah Gray, who is doing for a lot of regression. Josiah Gray, if you look at the raw numbers, 327 ERA, 7-8 and eight record, not too shabby, giving up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings, but he gives up north of four walks per nine innings. He gets fewer than eight strikeouts per nine innings. Fielding independent is a 475, and he has pitched remarkably worse at home than he has on the road. 252 road ERA, 457 home ERA, giving up north of 1.8 home runs per nine innings. And he is backed up by a Washington Nationals bullpen that is a tenth of a point away from tying the Oakland A's for worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues. The Nationals bullpen has north of a 650 ERA over the last three days. You've got the guys like... Joe De La Sorsa, Andres Machado, Amos Willingham, all these guys posting up north of a 6 ERA. Jose Ferrar, north of a 540 ERA. Chris Abbott, he's right in that fold as well. These guys are terrible. Now for the Brewers, they're 12th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. They've been able to shape up a little bit recently. Hobie Miller has actually been very good in this bullpen. He, Joe Payam, Selvis Piguero, they've been able to give you a sub-325 ERA, get the ball to Devin Williams, but I think that runs are going to be plentiful in this spot. I think the Nationals are going to be able to scratch across a few against Freddie Peralta, and I certainly do think that the Brewers are going to be able to get to Josiah Grace on my total more around a 9.6, so my right-up pick is going to be on the over with the Brewers. I'm going to lay up to a minus 141 on that money line. 
if I'm able to get a minus 122 or less, would be willing to entertain the Nationals getting a run and half as well. 955-956 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on to Cincinnati. They're under the road. They're facing off against the Chicago Cubs. The man of steel, Justin Steele, goes for the Cubs. And Ben Lively is on the bump for Cincinnati. The Reds are between plus 130 and plus 143 underdogs. Between minus 148 to minus 155 is your number on the Cubs. We do not have a total up on this game. That is because the total is going to be dictated by the Wrigley Field wind and the Wrigley Field wind for this Tuesday. It looks like it's going to be blowing a little bit more directionally out a little bit. And the wind, it should be rather powerful, especially towards the end of the night. It's going to be a bit more of a humid game. But I did set my total to where an 8 or less, I'd be willing to take a look at the over. An 8.5 or higher, I would be willing to take a look at the under. I did have to... Bump this up a little bit from the early overnight number because it does feel like we're getting a little bit more wind blowing out than originally anticipated. But that said, when it comes to the Chicago Cubs, Justin Seal, he has been good at all locations thus far this season as the man is posting up a 280-70 RA. Fielding dependent is right on par with that. He is a ground ball master, being able to give up just 0.65 home runs per nine innings. He's giving up only about two walks per nine innings. He has been absolutely incredible this season. He's had a rough last few starts as he did give up a grand total of six runs in that start against the Boston Red Sox. But all in all, you take a look at what Mr. Steele has been able to do. He's allowed three runs or fewer in all but three of his 19 starts thus far this season. Going up against the Red Sox, that they do a good job of being a reach base. They actually rank number one in terms of the National League in terms of road on base percentage. Not a lot of thumping power. You've actually been able to have some nice production out of Joey Votto. Votto, since he has come into the fold, nine home runs in his first 108 at best, but you don't have anyone with north of 15 home runs on this team. Jonathan India, Spencer's here, Jake Fraley, all between 14 and 15 home runs. One other guy is north of nine home runs for the team. That'd be Matt McClain, who's sitting above a 300. DJ Friedel, he's been able to hit for about a 350 on base along Jake Fraley. You've been able to get some good production as well out of Will Benson, who's been able to provide right around 377 on base. L.A. De La Cruz, he's been a little bit up and down recently, but if you can just get him on base, he's going to be able to swipe quite a few bags and make things very, very active on the base pass. Meanwhile, you've got a Cubs team that now ranks in the top eight in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. They have a nice trio with Patrick Wisdom, Cody Bellinger, Christopher Morrell, all providing between 15 and 18 home runs. Bellinger leads the league in terms of hits in the month of July. He has been on fire, hitting right around a 400 in the month of July. Christopher Morrell, he's been able to about a 280 as well. We've got a lot of guys in general for the Cubs that move the line. They're pretty solid against both righties and lefties. Miguel Amaya along the and half, both between about a 370 to a 380 on base. Mike Talkman, Jan Gomes, Sick Madrigal, Nico Horner hitting between about a 270 to 280 as well. And both of these bullpens, relative equals. They both entered in the series between about 15th to 17th in the league in terms of bullpen area. Not great, not terrible. Julian Merriweather along with Michael Fulmer have been able to pick it up after relatively rough starts of the year. Michael Fulmer's been a little bit more shaky recently, but all in all, been able to get some good production there. And I do like Anthony Kay, uh, this Cubs bullpen as well. Had a bit of a rough series against the St. Louis Cardinals, but all in all, has been able to do a good job along with Edbert Alzelay. Meanwhile, the Reds, they are going to have the best closer in this game in Alexis. Yes, the problem is going to be getting him the ball, though. Likes of 
Ingebo, Alex Young, Lucas Sims, they've been able to give you a sub for ERA as well. I just think that Ben Lively has completely outgunned in this start. For Lively, he's been able to give you about 8.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, but he also does give up quite a bit of hard contact as well. He's giving up north of 1.6 home runs per 9 innings. That actually falls when he's on the road. Great American Ballpark has not treated him well. He has given up north of 2.3 home runs per 9 innings when he's been at home this far this season on the road. That falls more like 1.2 home runs per 9 innings done a good job keeping the walks down to about two and a half walks per nine innings so this is a spot where at an eight or less looking at the over eight and a half prior to the under and with the Cubs set the minus 163 on the money line if I could get north of plus 120 would entertain a run line price as well at current time of recording no run lines are available because no totals are available you need a total available to be able to give out a run line but my anticipation is I'll probably be on a Cubs run line and then with the total, 8.5 or higher to the under, 8 or less to the over, 9.57, 9.58 on the main board. It is the San Diego Padres. They throw the facing off against the Colorado Rockies. As Peter Lambert goes for the Rockies, and it is to be determined on the bump for the Padres. This is a game that is completely off the board. I am projecting as if you get young Jackson Wolf in this game. I know that Fangraphs is throwing out their Ryan Weathers. You could get Matt Waldron as well. I think the most likely case is perhaps a piggyback of Wolf and Waldron. Both of these guys have gotten some spot starts thus far this season. I feel better about Jackson Wolf personally. He's got better swing and miss stuff. He's just the guy with a little bit more upside in general. Either way, the Padres should be a favorite. I projected this with Wolf. Being a minus 156 favorite, I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 109 with that run line. I'd probably drop this by about 10, maybe 15 cents for Waldron. Might drop it even more for Ryan Weathers. I just have no faith in Ryan Weathers whatsoever, but we shall see there. Meanwhile, for Peter Lambert, he's actually looked halfway decent in the starts that he's made for the Colorado Rockies. He's made three starts thus far this season, has yet to give up an earned run. He has allowed one unearned run across 14 innings. Problem is, he's only made one start at home, and that one start was three innings against the Detroit Tigers. So, I mean, he's been able to keep a scoreless start at course, but three innings against the Detroit Tigers, that's a very small sample size. I think that things are going to come back to earth for a good friend in Lambert. And if you combine the relief appearances, he's got an 8-10 ERA at Coors Field thus far this season, giving up seven home runs in 20 innings. That's not too terrific. Meanwhile, for the San Diego Padres, the bullpen has went down the toilet bowl a little bit. Ever since the beginning of the month of July, this has been a bottom 10 team. In terms of bullpen ERA, you've still gotten good production out of Tom Cosgrove. He's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA, and reinforcements are back. Steven Wilson was dealing with a little bit of an injury. He has returned. He's been able to give you a sub-350 ERA. Robert Suarez has given you a sub-2 ERA. So it's coming off of the injured list as well And for the Colorado Rockies. This team is now completely bereft of power. They trade away a lot of their top bats and Randall Grichik, so that is a little bit of an issue. You still have Ryan McMahon out there. He's been able to give you 16 home runs, but with C.J. Cron on the fold, he was the only eye in the roster entering into the day on Monday with north of 10 home runs. And they have recalled a man in Brendan Rodgers who has struggled every time he has been up there at the big league level. So it's a big-time issue for the Colorado Rockies. They are hitting about a 266 at home, and that's low considering it's Coors Field. Meanwhile, for the San Diego Padres, this has just been a top-heavy lineup all season long as you've had Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr. all do their part between 18 and 20 home runs. Soto north of a 400 on base since coming off the injured list. Manny Machado hitting above a 275, and then Ha-Sung Kim 
He leads all National play, League players in war. Hitting about a 280. he has been on fire right around five home runs over the last three weeks. He has done his part. Gary Sanchez is starting to hit bombs as well. Not really hitting for average, but 12 home runs at 160 at-bats this far this season. But you take a look at the bottom of the fold with this team. The likes of Rudin Ador, who I mentioned before, Sanchez, Brandon Dixon, Matt Carpenter, Trent Grisham, all these guys hitting at 215 or lower. That's been a big-time issue for this bunch. And for the Colorado Rockies, they've been a league-average bullpen over the last three days. Getting Brent Suter back in the fold as big as he, coupled with the likes of a Daniel Bard, Justin Lawrence as well, Matt Cook. These are guys that have been able to give you some for ERA, but I did set my total with sort of a unknown mystery starter of the Padres versus Peter Lambert, where 12 and a half or less looking at the over, 13 or higher to the unders, assuming we get Jackson Wolf, one lay up to a minus 155 on that Padres money line and up to a minus 108 on the run line. Need at least a plus 157 to take a shot on the Rockies. I'm 59-960 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants, they play host the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Gallen goes for the Saints, and Alex Cobb is on the bump for the Giants. We are currently seeing the Arizona Diamondbacks as a minus 112 favorite. Minus 108 is your number on San Francisco. Seven is the total. Over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. I set Alex Cobb at a minus 105. So I'm willing to lay a very small amount of juice on Alex Cobb. I feel like the Giants should be a very minimal favorite just because for Alex Cobb, he has been absolutely amazing at home. And so is Zach Allen. And Zach Allen, he is on the road in this start. And he just has not been the same pitcher on the road. First with Cobb. Bucko 9 home ERA in 8 starts this far this year. Allowing one home run in 49 and 2 thirds innings. We should see a little bit of regression with that. That is absolutely unreal. That's a video game like stat line. But he has been tremendous. Meanwhile for Zach Allen. Buck 96 home ERA. 497 road ERA. And just... Has not looked as sharp in his last five starts. A 4.45 ERA overall, giving up seven home runs and 32 in the third innings. If you look at the advanced numbers towards the beginning part of the season, Zach Allen was getting quite lucky on hard contact. Now you do have an Arizona Diamondbacks team that their home run rate goes up by about 15 to 20 percent when they're on the road as compared to when they are at home. But now they're playing at Oracle Park, the most pitcher-friendly ballpark that you're going to find in the National League. You do have a pair of guys in Christian Walker, Corbin Carroll, that have both been able to supply 21-plus home runs. Walker providing about a 340 on base. Corbin Carroll, 360 on base to go along with 32 stolen bases. Jake McCarthy has done a nice job. He's been able to swipe 23 bags for this bunch as well. You've had Gerardo Perdomo be able to hit about a 385 in terms of his on base. Then Quito Marte hitting darn near 300 of that solid. But the Diamondbacks have been one of the biggest overachievers over this season in terms of actual slugging percentage versus expected slugging percentage. And then you've got those platoon splits of the San Francisco Giants. You don't have a single guy that has given you north of 13 home runs this far this season, but you've got eight separate guys that have given you at least nine home runs this far this season. They've got so many guys doing a nice job firing on all cylinders. You've really been able to get a lot out of Wilmer Flores recently as well as he's been able to ride around 300. Actually, I take that back. They've got J.D. Davis, who's now up to 14 home runs because he had that walk-off homer in the weekend series against the Boston Red Sox, so he's right now leading the way, but... The Giants do a good job of being able to move line. Only reason why they're one of the lesser scoring teams at home in the National League this season is due to the fact that they do play at, once again, Oracle Ballpark. About as pitcher-friendly as it gets. 
Big reason why the Giants, they're averaging about four runs per game at home, more like five runs per game on the road. So that is something to note. And for the San Francisco Giants, top two team in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA ever since the beginning of the month of May, both of the Rogers brothers, Scott Alexander, Ryan Walker, Camilio Duvall, all being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. These guys are rocks all behind Cobb. Meanwhile, for the Diamondbacks, Bottom 10 team with regards to bullpen area. Andrew Chafin has out looked good recently. Jose Ruiz is a complete nightmare. Kyle Nelson has been relatively solid for the scene, but Austin Adams, neither here nor there. Scott McGill has not necessarily been too terrific as well. So I give the slight edge here to the Giants. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 105 on the money line. Most books do not have a number listed, so we shall see what we get overnight. And then I did sell my total at 7.7, seeing the initial 7 would be willing to take that over. 961-962 on the betting board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're on the road. They're facing off against the New York Yankees. Carlos Rodon is on the bump for the Yankees, and Zach Eflin hopes to not be Eflin awful for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays are the slightest of slight favorites, anywhere between minus 105 to minus 112. With the Yankees, they are between a minus 104 to minus 108. 8-8.5 is the total. On the 8, over is minus 120. The under is even. On the 8.5, under is minus 115. And the over is minus 105. And this is a spot where I did set the Yankees as a minus 106 favorite. With Zach Eflin, I have to evaluate him quite a bit differently when he is on the road rather than when he is at home. As Zach Eflin has been absolutely Eflin awesome. When he has been at home, he has made 11 starts at home this far this season. He has actually gotten the win in all but two of them. Actually, 12 starts at home, 10 and 2 in those 12 starts, 260 ERA. He is allowing about 0.75 home runs per nine innings at home. On the road, he gives up more like one home run per nine innings, so that's not too bad. The command has been tremendous with Zach Eflin. He's giving up less than a walk and a half per nine innings, but that ERA climbs to a 536 on the road, and I do think that Carlos Rodon is going to be able to find it. When Carlos Rodon is at full force, he's a top 10 starter in the big leagues. Had a rough go of it against the Angels and the Colorado Rockies coming back, but was very encouraged by his last start against the Mets. Now, it's a miring and mediocrity Mets, but he gave up one run over the course of five and two-thirds innings. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, post-All-Star break, entering into this series, a bottom two team in the American League in terms of runs per game. Now, they were able to get a pair of home runs early on in that game against the New York Yankees, and we know that the Tampa Bay Rays are able to mash. You had coming into the series eight different guys with at least 12 home runs. Among these, six of them hitting at least a 255 entering into the series. They do a good job of being able to take some walks. And for Carlos Rodon, he does have a little bit of an issue giving up a few walks because he is a high strikeout guy at full force. Carlos Rodon is able to give you right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings. And as we know, for the New York Yankees, this offense has been less than terrific. Since Aaron Judge went down with that injury, his first game out of the fold was June 4th, and he should be back in the lineup in this one. He did play on Monday, but ever since that injury on June 4th, they are averaging about 3.88 runs per game. That is third worst in the big leagues. You don't have really anyone other than Aaron Judge that's hitting above a 255. Judge was the only guy in the lineup yesterday with north of a 329 on base. Anthony Rizzo has one home run as we laid out with Adam Rosenberg. Since May 20th, you've got so many guys that they just need to find a way to be able to get on base. Anthony Volpe, John Carlos Stanton, Eswaldo Peraza, Eswaldo Cabrera, Ben Rodfit. You just go down the list of guys hitting a 215 or lower, and it's deplorable. But for the New York Yankees, they also do have the number one team in terms of bullpen area this far this season. Now, if you take a look since June 1st, the Tampa Bay Rays have a little bit of an edge with regards 
towards the bullpen area is. They've had two reclamation projects in Jake Diekman along with Robert Stevenson that have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA in a Tampa Bay Rays uniform. On top of that, you've got the likes of Jason Adam, Colin Poucher, Pete Fairbanks, along with Sean Armstrong, that'll be able to give you a sub-3 ERA. But for the Yankees, you do have a lot of guys who are able to do a nice job in this bullpen as well. Ian Hamilton, Tommy Canely, Wandy Peralta, Clay Holmes, Nick Ramirez. These are all guys giving you a sub-3 ERA as well. And I do think that Carlos Rodon is going to be able to give a little bit of a better start here than Zach Eflin. And what I think is going to be a relatively interesting start, because I do think that the Rays offense, they are going to get a little bit of a just booster with Aaron Judge being in the fold. And as we know, that short porch in Yankee Stadium being able to pound a few home runs it's a little bit easier than in most other ballparks. I did set my total at 8.7 with the form of both of these guys. Eflin on the road. Rodon trying to come back from injury. So looking at the over. And with the Yankees, one to lay up to a minus 105 on their money line. 963, 964 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles. And third, they're facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Hunjin Ryu is on the bump for the Jays. And Kyle Bradish is on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore is a plus 105 to a plus 115 underdog. Minus 120 to minus 125 is your number on Toronto in FZ total. Over is between minus 110 to a minus 120, and the under that is anywhere between even and minus 110. I made the Blue Jays minus 128. If you take a look at the way that Hunjin Ryu has come back from his rehab, they've actually done it right with him. He has made four rehab starts, and he is putting up video game-like numbers. It has been absolutely insane the way that he has been able to come back, and I think that he's going to be coming back in much better form than most of these guys off the injury list. As for you, he has made four minor league starts. He has went 18 total innings. He has been able to post up eight strikeouts to a half a walk per nine innings. He gave up a whopping one walk in his 18 innings, so good command there. He was able to post up an ERA that was hovering right around two in these starts. They gave him a little bit of a taste at the AAA level, was able to do a good job on that front. So I do think that Hunjun Ryu, he's going to be coming back and he's going to be looking relatively solid to be backed up by a bullpen as well that they add some pieces. They bring in Jordan Hicks from the St. Louis Cardinals. Genesis Cabrera is someone that they were able to pick up a few weeks ago. He's been looking good in a Blue Jays uniform. Eric Swanson has been a little bit up and down, but Jay Jackson, Tim Mesa, they've been able to give you a sub three year and for the Baltimore Orioles. It's a top heavy bullpen. This is a bullpen that is in the top 10 in the big leagues. The Blue Jays, by the way, they're a top eight team in terms of bullpen ERA as well. But when it comes to the Orioles, it's very top heavy in that you've got Felix Batista along with Yanir Cano. They've both been able to give you a sub two ERA. Danny Columbus has been able to give you about a three ERA as well. And then you've got the likes of Brian Baker, Mike Bauman with right around about a 350 or so ERA. So it's very up and down with that regard. Kyle Bradish, he's been able to do a significantly better job than he did a season ago. His walks per nine rate is down by a full walk per nine innings this season. He's been giving up less than home run per nine innings. Coming off of the giving up five runs in his last start against the Philadelphia Phillies and just has not been the same on the road as he has been at home. 239 home ERA compared to a 409 ERA on the road. Not necessarily giving up the deep ball on the road. Giving up less than home run per nine innings, but the opponent's batting average goes up by right around 60 points. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, I think that they're finally starting to find it a little bit more with regards to the offense. I feel like I've been saying that all season long, but for the Blue Jays, you got a pair of guys in Bo Bichette, along with Flagler Jr. that will be able to supply 17 home runs. These two guys, Whit Merrifield, Brandon Belt, Matt Chapman, all between about a 345 to a 360 with regards to their on base, so they find a way to be able to move the line. Merrifield and Bichette, both hitting above a 300. Alejandro Kirk, 
Don't call his name, but call him a man that is starting to find it once again. He had that two-home run game over the weekend. If you take a look over the last 15 days, he's been inning a 400, so he is really starting to round back into form. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, I feel like they've performed above their skis just a little bit with regards to this offense, especially on the road. The Baltimore Orioles have done an absolutely amazing job finding a way to be able to just generate runs. They're a league average team with regards to batting averages, slightly above average with regards to their power numbers. And yet they entered into the series number one in the American League in terms of runs per game with right around 5.3. Gunnar Anderson has been terrific. He and Anthony Santander, both between 17 and 18 home runs, both providing right around about a 335 on base. Ryan O'Hearn sitting in the neighborhood about a 300. You've had so many guys that have been able to come up, like a Jordan Westberg, who's been able to give you some nice at-bats. Adam Frazier had a clutch hit for this team in that Sunday night baseball game. Adley Rushman has given you a 375 on base as well, but... I think that Ryu is going to be able to come back in relatively good form, and I don't necessarily trust Bradish in the on the road in this spot. So I did set my total at 8.7. I'm going to be one take a look at the 8.5 over. I think that Ryu is going to be solid, but I don't think that he's going to lend the length that you'd like to see in this spot as well. So that's why I do take a look at the over, and I'm going to be one to ride with the Blue Jays up to about a minus 126, minus 127 in this spot as well. 965, 966 on the main board. The Walker Texas Rangers play OC Chicago White Sox. It is to be determined for the Chicago White Sox, and the betting board reads to be determined for the uh, Texas Rangers. That makes this very difficult. This is a game that is off the board. It feels like we should be getting John Gray in this spot for the Texas Rangers. I'd be surprised if we don't get John Gray. For the White Sox, it's a little bit more of a horse apiece situation. I am handicapping as if we get Jesse Schultons, and if we get Schultons versus Gray, made the Rangers a minus 220 money line favorite. I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 118 on that run line, and nine and a half or less, I'd be looking at the over at 10 or higher to the under. With John Gray, 55 shades of John Gray, this is a man that is doing for quite a bit of regression as his strikeout numbers are down from last year, but yet the ERA somehow, someway, it's even better, even though it feels like he's giving up a little bit more hard contact this year as well. For Gray, 7.4 strikeouts at 3.1 walks per nine innings. He's giving up about the same amount of home runs per nine innings this year as he did last year. 439 fielding independent compared to a 366 ERA. Things are starting to get evened out a little bit as Gray has given up four plus runs in four of his last five starts. So the regression monster, he is hungry. He is becoming for our good friend in John Gray. Meanwhile, for Schultons, He's a nice little prospect for the Chicago White Sox that I do think has some upside. They have utilized him a little bit out of the bullpen. This would be his third start of the season. This could be a situation, too, where they utilize an opener before they bring in Schultons. Schultons has not given you a lot of swing and miss thus far this season. He's gotten right around five and a half strikeouts for nine innings. If you look at him at the minor league level, when he was in the minors this year, he was getting right around nine strikeouts for nine innings in previous years. And we're between about 9 and 10. He does a solid job with regards to his command. Not a great job with his command. 473 fielding independent. I do think that this is a little bit of a case where he is going to be having a tough time against a Texas Rangers offense that there's just so much firepower on any given night. You could have either 7 or 8 Texas Rangers starters with a batting average above a 270. With the Rangers, they have been dealing with the injury to Corey Seager recently, but Marcus Simeon, he's been very solid at the top of the lineup, bidding about a 275. And then you've got Josh Young, Adolis Garcia, combined 45 home runs between the two of them, both giving north of a 320 on base. 
And you just take a look at this Walker Texas Rangers team, and this does include Corey Seager in the fold. Eight different guys with at least 11 home runs thus far this season. They all hit at least a 259. It's just absolutely insane. And then you've got a Chicago White Sox team that they have no idea how to draw walks whatsoever. You've gotten really good production out of Luis Orbea and Jake Berger in terms of a power production standpoint. Berger, 25 home runs. Only hitting about a 215, but he's got 25 home runs. Luis Robert, 29 home runs. But if you look at players that have gotten at least 90 at-bats as far as this season, you've got one guy with north of a 330 on base. That'd be Andrew Benatendi. It's Benatendi, Eloy Jimenez. Both hitting between about a 280 to a 285. Jimenez, he's now been able to give you 13 home runs. He's actually putting together a relatively solid year. Tim Anderson, starting to pick it up a little bit, but it just anticipated him hitting a little bit better than a 245. And then the likes of Oscar Colas, Answer Alberto, guys like this, they're hitting below a 220. That's been a big issue. Elvis Andrews has had a relatively rough start to the season as well. And for the Chicago White Sox, they trade away a lot of their trustworthy bullpen pieces. Kendall Graveman, Ronaldo Lopez are now out of the fold. You still have Gregory Santos along with Keenan Middleton. Both of these guys have been able to give you some solid production throughout much of the year, but Middleton's ERA is starting to approach four. They're having to now rely upon Aaron Bummer, Tanner Banks a bit more. This is not a spot where you do want to be finding yourself in. So I do think that the Rangers are going to be able to get up a nice amount of runs. So nine and a half or less looking at the over 10 or higher to the under end with the Rangers. Seth at minus 221 on the money line. We'll be willing to lay up to a minus 118 on that run line, plus 120 or higher on that run line. We will to take a run and a half with the White Sox or plus 222 or higher with that White Sox money line. 967, 968 on the betting board. It is the Cleveland Guardians. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Houston Astros. From Valdez goes for the Astros. Kevin Williams is on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is ending between about a plus 155 to a plus 168 underdog between minus 180 and minus 192. Your number on Houston, 8.5 is the total. Under is between minus 115 to a minus 120. The over is ending between even a minus 105. On the money line, I made the Astros more around a minus 224. And if you're looking at that run line of the Astros, find that between even money and a small plus 105, plus 110 number. I'm going to be willing to take that run line for Gavin Williams. I feel like he's done a solid job since he's gotten called up by the Cleveland Guardians. I certainly like him a little bit more than the man that they threw out there on Monday in Noah Thor Syndergaard, but Williams, you can tell that he's going through a few growing pains right now. Not a guy that's going to necessarily blow you away. Seven half strikeouts and four walks per nine innings. The 335 ERA, I feel like, is a little bit of fool's gold. His fielding independence of 445. He's allowed three runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts, but... He's also had the luxury of facing off against the Royals a pair of times at home. Now he also has had to face off against the Atlanta Braves and the Texas Rangers. So he's had either very, very difficult or very, very easy opponents. And now he goes up against an Astros team that is actually number two in the American League in terms of runs per game since the beginning of the month of June. They now get back Jordan Alvarez. They get back Jose Altuve as well. And for Alvarez, when he's been out there on the field, he's been giving you darn near a 400 on base. He's one of the top players in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis entering in this series. 18 home runs on 217 at-bats as far as this season. He leads the team, slash is tied for the team lead in terms of home runs, despite the fact that he missed north of 30 games this season. Jeremy Pena, you just need a little bit more out of him, but Kyle Tucker is hitting right around 300. He's got 18 home runs of his own, along with Alex Bregman. Bregman has really been able to pick it up in recent days as well as he's been able to give you a 367 average over the last 18 days with six home runs in that time span. So that has been very good for the team. You've had 
guys like a Yanir Diaz, who doesn't give you a lot of on base, but he's been able to shore up that catcher spot as well, hitting about a 265. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Guardians, they trade away Ahmed Rosario for Noah Thor Syndergaard, which I still don't understand that deal. Meanwhile, you've got a lot of guys that they just need to pick it up with regards to their average, because last year, you had the aforementioned Ahmed Rosario, Andre Semenez, Stephen Kwan, Will Brandon, along with Oscar Gonzalez, all guys area lit north of a 270. The only guy right now on the roster and saying north of 262 out of all those guys is Stephen Kwan at right around 277. That's the way that the Guardians were able to overcome the fact that they had no power whatsoever to make the playoffs. The Guardians are currently dead last in the American League. In terms of total home runs, you've got a pair of guys, Josh Naylor, Jose Ramirez. They combined 33 home runs as far this season. Both guys giving you north of 345 on base, but just need a little bit more there. For the Guardians, you know that this bullpen is going to be rock solid. They are top five in the big leagues. In terms of bullpen, anyway, they both felt James Karinczak for much of the season. That has not mattered as James Karinczak when he was out there. Not necessarily so terrific as you've had the likes of Anya De Los Santos, along with Emmanuel Classe, Eli Morgan, throwing their Trevor Steven. These guys being able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. And for the Astros, if you look at the overall season numbers, they're hardly above average with regards to their bullpen area, but got the likes of Hector Neris, Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu, Phil Maton that have been able to give you a sub-3-4 ERA. Rafael Montero, he's been Rafael Montero Bull, so you do want to be avoiding him. And the big question is, is Framber Valdez back to 100%? Because he's been dealing with a few injuries. As a result, we've seen a few rough starts out of him, but even if he's not back to 100%, I still think that he's going to be able to deliver a nice start in this ordeal for Framber Valdez giving up about 0.8 home runs for nine innings this year. And he's been masterful at home, 274 home ERA, compared to more like a 411 ERA on the road for Valdez. Last four starts, it has been less than savory, giving up 17 runs over the course of 21 innings. But also two of those starts came on the road. He had to go up against the old Texas Rangers in that span as well. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a get-right spot against this Cleveland Guardians lineup. I did set my total at a 7.8. So here at an 8.5, looking at the under to go along with that Astros run line. 969-970 on the betting board. It is the Boston Red Sox. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Seattle Mariners. Bryce Miller goes for Seattle. And it is old undecided who's on the bump for the Boston Red Sox. This is a game that is presently off the board. I'm anticipating as if we are going to be getting Brian Bayo. The Red Sox, they skipped Brian Bayo's start on Monday. That would have been his normal time through the rotation. I have to think that they're going to be throwing him out there on Tuesday. If you don't get Brian Bayo, it is a very big falloff for the Boston Red Sox. But assuming that is the case, I set the Mariners as a very slight minus 107 favorite with a total to wear. Seven or less, I'd be looking at the over. Seven and a half prior to the under. If you do get Bayo, he has given up three runs or fewer in now 15 out of his last 16 starts, doing so against really good competition. His last four starts, he's done against the Atlanta Braves and the Texas Rangers. Rockwell enough, the one hiccup came against the Oakland A's on the road, so there is that. Meanwhile, you've got Bryce Miller. He's got that 396 ERA, but he's pitched much better. At home, giving up a 270 home ERA compared to a 568 ERA on the road. Fielding independent is right on par with that 396 ERA, by the way, as he's given up right around about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. He's done a great job with the guards of command. He is giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. He gets right around eight and a half punch outs per nine innings as well. And the big thing with him at home is that he gives up about one home run per nine innings at home. On the road, that balloons are more around 1.7 home runs per nine innings. He faces off against the Boston Red Sox team that 
They've got the most demonstrative home and road splits that you're going to find in all of baseball with regards to batting average and just overall. For the Boston Red Sox entering into the series, they were averaging a little bit over 5.6 runs per game at home, more like 4.33 runs per game on the road. And typically you have, with regards to batting average, the biggest home and road splits belonging to the Colorado Rockies. This year it's by far the Boston Red Sox. They're hitting at 235 on the road compared to a 292 at home. That is a drop-off of north of 55 points. As you've had someone like Jaron Duran have his on-base percentage fall by nearly 100 points when he's on the road. You've had Justin Turner hit about 50 points lower when he's on the road. You've actually had the Red Sox hit a few more home runs when they've been on the road as well. As you've been able to have Rafael Devers go deep 15 times on the road. Justin Turner, I believe he's got a double-figure amount of homers just in terms of his road games as well. And what's very surprising about this matchup as well, both of these teams entered into the day on Monday Ranked in the top five in terms of bullpen anyway. Not as surprising with the Seattle Mariners, so they've really had to mix and match with the likes of Justin Topa, Taylor Cicado coming in to help out, likes of Andres Munoz. You've had Paul Sewell be rock solid. They've been without Pat Murphy for much of the year, and it hasn't really mattered. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, you've gotten really good innings out of the likes of Brandon Bernardino, Josh Winkowski, Chris Martin, all these guys providing a sub-3-3 ERA. Martin has a sub-2 ERA. He has been very good for this bunch as well. Do have a little bit of trepidation with this Red Sox team, though, just with regards to those home and road splits. Kenley Jansen has also been pretty sure-handed with regards to the bullpen as well. So, assuming that we get Bale versus Bryce Miller with the Seattle Mariners doing a not-so-great job of being able to get on base, but doing a nice job of being able to slug out the deep ball. You've had Eugenio Suarez, along with Oscar Hernandez. You're able to go down the list. Julio Rodriguez being able to give you between 14 and 17 home runs, but not really getting a lot of batting average. Of a lot of these guys, J.P. Crawford has been able to give you a 375 on base. It is a spot where I did some my total where a 7 or less. I'd be taking a look at the over 7 half prior to the under end. Assuming it is Bayo versus Miller. Set the Mariners. Minus 107 on the money line would be willing to lay up to a minus 106 there. Plus 108 or higher. Looking at the Red Sox. 971-972 on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers on the road facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. You don't mess with a Johan Oviedo. Goes for the Pirates. And you've got Matt Manning on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is anywhere between even money and plus 110. Meanwhile, between minus 110 and minus 125, your number on Pittsburgh. Eight and a half is the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. And I set the Tigers as very slight minus 104 favorites. I'm going to be willing to dive in here. Now with Matt Manning. The fielding independent absolutely does not match up with the ERA, but I do like the way that he's been a relatively steady Eddie guy. He's been able to induce some soft contact, and I think that he's going to have some success against a Pirates team that has averaged the fewest runs per game of any National League team since the beginning of the month of May. As for Manning, 525 fielding independent compared to a 432 ERA, that is a little bit concerning. You know, he gets right around six half straight cuts per nine innings, which does hurt that fielding independent. But for Matt Manning, since he has come off the injured list in four out of his last six starts, he has allowed two runs or fewer. Got destroyed in his last start against the LA Angels, but Bassett has been able to do a very rock-solid job. Meanwhile, for Johan Oviedo, he doesn't necessarily give up a bunch of bombs. He doesn't do one thing great, but he doesn't necessarily light games on fire. He's been a bit unlucky with the record, a 4-11 record, 4-60 ERA. Once again, is he pitching great? No, but he's pitching a little bit better than that record would indicate. He can see about 8 strikeouts per 9 innings. He is giving up about 3.5 walks per 9 innings, 435 home ERA, 487 ERA on the road. And at home, he's given up 5 home runs at 60 innings, so... 
He's on a serviceable job. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Going up against a Detroit Tigers lineup that it's been a little bit of a nightmare for them thus far this season. You've got one guy on the roster with north of 12 home runs. That'd be Spencer Torkelson, 15 home runs. And you just have a whole bunch of guys that right now they're hitting below a 230s. Torkelson is one of them. You've got Javi Baez, Eric Haas, Jake Rogers, Nick Maton, all in that fold. So that's been an issue. Zach Short has not been able to move the line as well. Really, the only guy that is able to consistently get on base for this team is Riley Green. Meanwhile, you've got a Pittsburgh Pirates team that they trade away one of the rest home run hitters in Carlos Santana. And the Pirates are finding themselves in sort of the same power outage as the Detroit Tigers. You've got one guy with north of 12 home runs this far this season. Jack Swinitsky, 345 on base, 21 home runs. He has been tremendous for this team. Meanwhile, you've got Brian Reynolds, who's been able to give you 12 home runs. It has been a sinking ship for him over the last 45 days, hitting right around 200. Andrew McCutcheon is able to give you 380 on base, but they trade away Carlos Santana. That hurts his team, and then you've got the likes of a Rodolfo Castro hitting about a 230. Young guy, Henry Davis, he's been able to give you about a 333 on base. You can see flashes there, but you don't necessarily have a lot of pop out of a lot of these guys. You've had Nick Gonzalez get some at-bats. He's been hitting right around 222 on the bullpen for the Pirates. It's been a little bit better recently. They were dealing with the injuries to Johan Ramirez along with Jose Hernandez. They now have been able to get Jose Hernandez back at the fold. That's a big reason why they just completely toilet-bowled in the month of June into early July. Over the last three days, Pirates are actually eighth in the league in terms of bullpen area. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, it's been a little bit up and down with regards to bullpen. Much of it has been because of having in their bulk guys, things like that. As you've got a pretty sure-handed back half of the bullpen, Jason Foley, Tyler Holton, Jose Cicerno, along with Alex Lang. These are guys that have been able to give you a sub-4 ERA. We'll see if any of those guys get moved at the deadline. But I do like Manning over Yohan Oviedo in the spot. I do think that he's going to be able to deliver a good enough spot in a game in which you've got two very bad offenses to be able to get the job done. Set my tell at an 8.3. So this is a circumstance where I'm looking at the under and with Detroit wanting to take them up to right around even money. 973, 974 on the betting board. The LA Angels, they're on the road. They're facing off against the Atlanta Braves. Spencer Strider goes for the Bravos. And Patrick Sandoval is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are a big underdog of anywhere between plus 205 and plus 215. Meanwhile, minus 235 to minus 250 is your number on Atlanta. Nine is the total. Over is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. I set the Angels to where I need at least a plus 217 to take a shot on the money line. We need to get about two more pennies there. If you're looking at the run line, you'll find that at a minus 120 on the Braves. At current numbers, I'd be willing to lay a minus 120 on the Braves run line. I anticipate this going up. If you're betting this early, I think that you've actually got some good value here on Spencer Strider, as I do think that he is better than the 373 ERA would indicate. He had a rough go of it, giving up four-plus runs in a span of eight starts in four of them, but I think that he is starting to rebound. He is a little bit of a two-pitch pitcher, which is why he has been getting figured out a little bit more, but for Spencer Strider, the strikeout numbers just do not lie. He's been able to get north of 14 and a half punch-outs per nine innings. He's been able to work on the walks as well. He's only given up about 2.6 walks per nine innings. Fielding dependent is about .75 points lower than the ERA. 373 ERA, 297 fielding independent, and for Spencer Strider, I do think that we're going to see him really be able to dominate moving forward. Meanwhile, for Patrick Sandoval, the 
one thing that he really does a good job of is being able to keep the ball in the yard. The strikeout numbers have not been there this year. He's been giving up more walks than what you'd like. 7.4 strikeouts, 3.8 walks for 9 innings, but 0.6 home runs for 9 innings allowed. That's why he's got a fielding independent that is a little bit south of 4. Now with the Angels, they've been able to bolster that bullpen a little bit more. They bring in Ronaldo Lopez along with Lucas Giolito in that GL. You've got Matt Moore along with Carlos Aceves. Both of these guys have been able to give you a sub-250 ERA. Someone who's been a little bit under the radar for this team. Jose Soriano has been able to give you about a 320 ERA as well. But you look over the last 35 days. Oh, the Angels have north of a 5 bullpen ERA. It has been a bit of a disaster there. And for the Atlanta Braves, throughout much of the year, they've been the number one team in terms of bullpen ERA in the National League. Rossio Iglesias was not sharp coming off the injury list in those like first 10 or so days, which did jack up his ERA. If you take those out of the fold, it has been a very good closer for this team. You've got likes of Joey Menez, Michael Tonkin, Kirby Yates, who have all been able to give you a sub-3-4 ERA. Colin McEwitt has been able to give you some nice innings as well for the Atlanta Braves. You just have all those guys are able to slug out all those home runs. Matt Olson with his 35 home runs. In a normal year, he'd be one of the front runners for MVP, but he's one of four guys on this roster with at least 24 home runs. He's one of eight guys with at least 10 home runs, and he's one of, I believe now, 10 guys with at least nine home runs. So just rampant with the Atlanta Braves. They lead the National League in on-base percentage, batting average, home runs. You just go down the list. Ron Lacuna Jr., he's got north of 50 stolen bases, a 416 on-base, and 24 home runs. Ozzy Albies has been able to do a nice job. So getting out 24 home runs. They do it against lefties. They do it against righties. Even the guys that don't provide as much power, like Orlando Arcia, he's hitting right around 300. And for the LA Angels, the hits just keep on coming for the team. Now they're without Taylor Ward. They've been dealing with the injury with Brandon Drury. Mike Trout is currently out of the fold. Now you do have a man by the name of Shoy Otani who currently leads the league in home runs, hitting right around 300. This guy's been masterful. And they pick up Randall Gritchick. He goes deep for them yesterday. That's going to be a nice pickup for them. I like the way he's been hitting. He's been hitting about a 300 thus far this season. Mickey Moniak, he's been able to go deep once every about 17 or so at-bats. He's providing a 315 batting average as well, but you do have guys like a Chad Wallach who you're needing to rely upon. Hunter Renfro, someone I do like as well, but I do think that those injuries are going to begin to catch up with the LA Angels. So with the Braves at a minus 120 or less, I'd be willing to take a look at that run line. And I did something until it at 8.4. I do think that Sandoval and his ability to cut down on the home run ball, that is going to help. But I do think that Spencer Strider just holds down a beaten up LA Angels lineup. So looking at the under along with the run line of the Atlanta Braves, 975, 976 on the betting board, the St. Louis Cardinals play out to the Minnesota Twins. Pablo Lopez goes for the Minnesota Twins. We were expecting Jack Flaherty on the opener. Right now, it is to be determined because we don't know if Jack Flaherty is ever going to pitch again for the St. Louis Cardinals. That's why this game is presently off the board. At the time of recording, Jack Flaherty has not been traded. That could very easily change, and if Jack Flaherty actually makes a start, I'd be setting the Cardinals as a minus-114 favorite, but... This is an all-over-the-place sort of circumstance because if Jack Flaherty doesn't start, you're probably getting someone like Dakota Hudson. Maybe they're recalling Matthew Libertor. There is a lot of various options that you could be finding with the St. Louis Cardinals, so it's sort of a pick-your-own-adventure there. But if Jack Flaherty does start, I have the Cardinals as a very slight favorite. Meanwhile, we do know that we're getting Pablo Lopez in this game, and for Pablo Lopez, he has been able to do a better job than what the raw numbers would indicate. He's right now got a 4.13 ERA, and I just take a look at some of these guys that have been victimized by, like, seeing-eye singles, Texas leaguers, infield singles, things like that, and Pablo Lopez has had some of the worst luck that I've seen 
all season long. He's got a 413 ERA, but a 349 fielding independent with opponents hitting a 303 on balls and play against them. I mean, he's getting the strikeouts. He's not giving up a lot of walks. The deep balls won't play two home runs per nine innings. You'd like to see it a little bit lower, but it's not terrible. And it's actually been better on the road than he has been at home. 356 road ERA compared to a 471 ERA at home, though. On the road, he has been giving up north of a home run and a half per nine innings. The biggest issue with the Minnesota Twins, this team just can't hit when they're on the road. For the Minnesota Twins, they're a bottom five team in terms of road batting average, and they could really use a bat in the worst way as you got this team getting a 229 as a collective on the road. They actually do a solid job of being able to have a few guys be able to draw some walks, but as we know, they've been dealing with quite a few injuries as well. Byron Buxton has been in and out of the fullbacks. Kepler has been in and out of the fold as well, but you do have plenty of power with regards to this lineup. Five separate guys that will be able to give you at least 12 home runs. Carlos Correa, Buxton I mentioned before, Joey Gallo, Max Kepler, Michael A. Taylor, but Every one of these guys, aside from Max Kepler, is currently hitting below a 230, with Kepler hitting approximately a 232. Everyone else, a 304 on base or less. Now, the guys around them have been able to move the line. Ryan Jeffers is giving you about a 385 on base. Alex Kurloff, more like a 360. Don Vincelano, a 365. And Matt Walner. Ever since they have recalled him from the minor leagues, he's been able to do a very nice job. He's been able to hit four home runs in his last five games. I mean, they're all in losing efforts, but Matt Walner is doing his part, so I like what he's able to provide, but it's very clear that the Twins are trying to go, like, on base, power, on base, power. They're trying to do that, and right now it's not working for that offense. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, we shall see if they move anyone prior to this game, but they've got the two Nolans, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado. They've both been able to pound out 22 home runs. Paul Goldschmidt, he and Brandon Donovan, both hitting about a 280, with Goldschmidt being able to pound out 18 home runs. This has been a Cardinals team that has done a great job with their offense when they've been at home this year. It's been very inconsistent with regards to their home and road splits. As for the St. Louis Cardinals, they had about a 266 with regards to their batting average at home. On the road, this falls to about a 248. They are a team that very much does rely upon the deep ball, but a little bit over 5.1 runs per game at home, 4.33 on the road. So if you get Lopez against Jack Flaherty with the Cardinals having a bullpen with really one guy with a sub-4 ERA that's an actual reliever, as you've got so many of these guys, like Drew Verhagen, I believe that they dealt away Chris Stratton. They've already traded away Jordan Nix. They've also got out there Andre Pallante. They've got pretty much a bunch of guys with a 4-5 ERA. Nothing much worse than that. Nothing much better than that. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, Jordan Balzovich has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA along with Yohan Duran. It's been a horse apiece situation without Brock Stewart in the fold, but we've actually had Emilio Pagan be able to give you some relatively okay innings as well for the Minnesota Twins overall this season in terms of their bullpen ERA. They're hovering right in the neighborhood about a 14th. So if you do get... Pablo Lopez versus Jack Flaherty. I'd be setting the Cardinals as a minus 114 favorite with a total where eight or less. I'd be looking at the over eight and a half prior to the under. If you don't get Jack Flaherty, this becomes a situation probably where you're looking at a nine or less to the over nine and a half prior to the under and the Minnesota Twins being north of minus 130 favorites. So buckle up for safety there. We've got a lot of moving parts on that one. 977-978 on the betting board. The New York Mets. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Kansas City Royals. Zach Granke goes for the Royals. Jose Quitana is on the bump for the Mets. 9.5 is the total. Unders between minus 110 to a minus 120. The overs any between even a minus 110. And the Metropolitans are between minus 150 to minus 155. Favorites between plus 130 and plus 140. Your number on the Royals. 
with the Royals. I needed at least a plus 136 to be able to take a shot. We're seeing some plus 140, so I'm going to be willing to ride with that. With Jose Quintana, I feel like he's just so overvalued due to one good year last year. Like, Jose Quintana had a very nice 2023 season between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. He was able to post up right around 3 ERA. Did a good job of being able to do some soft contact. Last year, he did so well, giving up about a half a home run per nine innings and about seven and a half punch outs per nine innings. He doesn't have swing and miss stuff anymore. He has come off the injury list, and he hasn't been bad. He's made two starts. He's given up five runs, four of which were earned. For the Mets, that's honestly not too terrible of an effort, but I do have my question marks here because he does give up a lot of contact. He doesn't necessarily do a great job with getting strikeouts. Command has been relatively solid as well, but for Zach Greinke, he is just such a different home pitcher than he is a road pitcher. As for Zach Greinke, it has been a less than savory year for him. He's 1-11. He's not quite the level of fade that Jordan Lyles is, but it's pretty darn close. But for Greinke... He's been able to do his job at home, 374 home area at home. He's giving up about one home run per nine innings. On the road, he is giving up north of 2.6 home runs per nine innings with a 740 ERA. Now, for the Royals, they are backed up by a bullpen that is absolutely terrible. Bottom five in the big leagues with that regard. They might trade Scott Barlow, but at this point, I don't know who would want him as he, along with the likes of a Nick Whitgren, Dylan Coleman, Austin Cox, you can't have any faith in any of these guys whatsoever. Taylor Clark has been rocking that nice 6 ERA as well, so not good. Meanwhile, for the Mets, David Robertson, their main closer, is out of the fold. Grant Hartwig has been able to give you a couple okay innings. They're looking to read Garrett to be able to hold down the fort as well. Drew Smith is not something that you're really wanting to take a look at. Vinny Natoli is now up at the big league level. Both of these bullpens are just a complete and utter disaster. And for the New York Mets, the offense has been all over the place this year. You've been able to get good firepower to beat Alonzo, 30 home runs, but he's hitting right around about a 210 over the last 40 days. Overall for the season, hitting about a 220. The two Franciscos, Francisco Alvarez, Francisco Lindor, 20 and 21 home runs apiece, but they're both hitting between about a 230 to a 235. Brandon Nimmo's been able to move line, hitting for about a 353 on base, 15 home runs, but this offense has been very hodgepodge and you could see some like a Tommy Pham get moved prior to this game. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, you've got two guys on the lineup that have north of eight home runs thus far this season. Bobby Wood Jr. has been great. He's giving 18 home runs. Salvador Perez has been able to give you 17. With which you'd like to see him be able to draw a few more walks, but a 265 average, 29 stolen bases, so he's been able to do his part. Michael Garcia, he's been able to give you 14 stolen bases as well, but the Royals are in the bottom two in the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage. They've been a bottom four team with regards to overall runs per game, and that's because the bottom of the fold and some of these guys that you were expecting to develop just have not. Michael Massey, Nicky Lopez, MJ Melendez, throwing their some odd Taylor, Nate Eaton. These are all guys sitting at 217 or lower. Only guy with north of a 295 on base, Nicky Lopez. So that's been a less than great situation, but I think that Jose Quintana and Zach Greinke, there's not much of a differential between the two of them. Both of these bullpens are absolutely awful, so getting a plus 140 on the Royals, I'm going to be willing to take that. Did semi-total at 9.3. Greinke has been able to do a great job of being able to pitch at home, and Royals have had a tough time generating runs all season long. So looking at the under and looking at the Royals on the money line, and we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the main board. The LA Dodgers play OC Oakland A's. It is Lance Lynn who goes for the Dodgers, and it is to be determined on the bump for the A's. This is a game that's off the board. Right now, Fangraphs and ESPN are both telling me Ken Waldachuk. 
I don't think Ken Waldachuk is going to get moved before the trade deadline. So I did set Fat Lance Lynn and company with the LA Dodgers as a minus 274 favorite on the money line. I'm willing to go up to a minus 150 on that run line and nine or less looking at the over nine and a half or higher to the under. I give a little bit of credit to Ken Waldachuk. He's been not as completely terrible recently, but it's still bad. He's got a 638 ERA thus far this season. He has a fielding independent, more around a 574. He's been able to get right around nine strikeouts per nine innings, but the command just clearly is not there. He's giving up north of five walks per nine innings. He's giving up north of 1.6 home runs per nine innings as well. So I, it's been a complete dumpster fire and a wreck. Now, if you look over the last 45 days, he has lowered that ERA to a 480. And the fielding independent is actually a sub 3.5 in this time span. He's been able to reduce on the amount of home runs that he gives up, but now he has to go up against the LA Dodgers. And I recognize that the LA Dodgers are dealing with a little bit of an ailment to Mookie Betts, but I mean, sometimes all you need is Max Muncy to two home runs to be able to win a game, as he's been able to give you 25 plus home runs. JD Martinez is at 20 plus home runs. Freddie Freeman is sitting at 330. He's been able to give you 20 plus home runs. Recognize that the Dodgers, they don't necessarily do the world's greatest job with regards to their batting average. It's more round leg average, but they are in the top two in terms of walks induced on a per at bat basis. That allows a lot of these home runs that they had to be two, three run shots. Meanwhile, for the Oakland A's, they are dead last in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. For the Oakland A's, you've got just a rough situation with being able to get men on base with Asteri Ruiz, who's been leading the American League in terms of stolen bases, being out of the fold. Ryan Noda, I know, has been dealing with a little bit of injury as well. I believe that he's on the 10-day injured list. He was providing the team with about a 375 on base, and with those two guys out of the fold, Brett Rooker has been able to give you a 340 on base. He has been able to provide 17 home runs, and he's pretty much the only guy in the lineup that is hitting about above a 235. That is... Not good, to say the least. They've been looking to some of these young guys, and I do think that there's upside with, like, catcher Tyler Soderstrom, guys like that, but these are very unproven commodities. It's an Oakland A's bullpen that said last in the big leagues. Sammy Long is giving you 5 ERA. Trevor May has been giving you north of 450 ERA. And for the LA Dodgers, this bullpen does rank in the top five in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 30 days. They do pick up Joe Kelly. Don't know what he's going to be able to give you moving forward, but you've been able to get a lot out of Ryan Brazier since he got picked up from the Boston Red Sox. Caleb Ferguson, coupled with Bruce Harder Griderall. These are guys giving you a sub-3 ERA as well. And I do think that for Lance Lynn, a change of scenery is going to be very helpful for him because with Lance Lynn, what has really been hurting him has been the home run ball. He's been playing in a lot of ballparks that have been not helping him out to say the least. As for Lance Lynn, the 640-70 RA is deplorable. The 522 fielding independent indicates that he's been getting a little bit unlucky. He still gets right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. If he could just find a way to be able to keep the ball in the yard, I think that he's actually going to be able to help out this Dodgers team a little bit, and if nothing else, he's better than Michael Grove. So, with the Dodgers willing to lay up to a minus 150 on that run line, we get plus 275 or higher, looking at the A's on the money line, and then 9 or less looking at the over 9.5 or higher to the under, and that will wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family of Podcasts. If you do like appearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean it does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. Big thanks to Adam Rosenberg, who does great work over at FDM Bets, for joining me in the last segment. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season on this podcast, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.